0: Uh, In Matthew chapter 9, uh, we have the basis for what we do. Uh, And uh, I want to read to you the two most preached on verses in the Bible. Uh, The verse 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Now, I read those verses for you tonight because no missions conference is complete until you read those verses, okay? Uh, and uh, we plaster them up on walls, and we'll go home tonight, uh, have a hot chocolate, and we'll never pray. We don't pray for the world. Now, I encourage you right now, And I do this, so I'm not going to ask you to do something I don't do. I want you to go home tonight, and I want you to take each continent of the world. I want you to write it out. And then I want you to put your missionaries in there. And every morning when you get up, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He'll send forth laborers. Now, there's no use reading the verses if we're not going to do it. Okay? Uh, And so, uh, you must... Start praying, Lord of the harvest. Folks, we got missionaries 80 years old and need to come home. We don't have any young people to send. And it's because the church is not praying, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Now I prayed the other day and I said, Lord, I've got to have more doctors. That morning, a doctor called me and said, "Uh, I'd like to travel with you. Now I believe God answers prayer. If I didn't, there's no use being here. We need to sell used cars or Go get a pizza shop, okay? Pizza around here, you'll make good money, all right? But we believe God answers prayer. But the two most unpreached on verses are right before it. Uh, And this is the basis for what we do. Let me point out just a couple of things, okay? And I gotta go quickly, all right? Uh, Number one, there's nothing wrong with the harvest, it's plenteous. You've been listening to CNN, they don't want us. Why, nobody wants to hear what you've got to say. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. Which will you believe, CNN or the Bible? Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, why aren't we in it? And then He said, but the laborers are few. The harvest has never been a problem. It's the laborers. They just don't do it. Today in our churches, the baptismal pool is very seldom used because we don't have people being saved and baptized. Oh, we baptize our children. We're doing inside the church evangelism. And we rejoice when the children get saved. Hey, i got 11 grandkids. I One of them called the other night, and he's just about this high, and he came in to his daddy, and tears were streaming down his eyes, and he said, Dad, I just asked Jesus to save me. Well, don't you think I jumped up and down two or three times? And the day we baptize him, I'll be on the front row, I guarantee you. But we've got to get out there and find people. I appreciate your pastor, the emphasis he puts on that. We don't have preachers today that will do that. There is nothing wrong with the harvest. By the way, people are being saved all over the world. It's just Baptist churches that aren't involved in it. Okay? And that's a shame because we got a bunch of churches that don't have good teaching, but they're trying to get people, quote-unquote, saved. We never know what that means, do we? We have the message. We should be giving it. So we need to be praying, but look at the first two verses ahead of that. Verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Any church, any organization not preaching the gospel is completely disloyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here... That's our first. If you go to our charter in the state of North Carolina, you'll find out the first thing we wrote was we will we believe in the continued preaching of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And any organization that doesn't do that, anathema, my friend. You must preach the gospel. That's what Jesus did. But the second thing we ignore. Listen to what he says. Uh, he says. Uh, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. By the way, this is not the only time this formula is stated as Jesus' method. Now, any church that does not care about the community they live in enough to help those that need help, they are just as disloyal to Him. Because everywhere He went, He changed people's lives and he changed them physically as well as spiritually. I don't have time. If you have time, you, we'll, we'll go through them, okay? I've studied them. I preached a conference just uh, last week, uh, and we went through it, and the ter- and the, the pastor came out and he said, that was fantastic. You've got to come back. Because nobody in there had heard that there is the gospel, and there is Good works. And man, you want to fight with both fists, don't you, brother? You can't do it until you couple what Jesus did. Now, the reason that we don't pray the Lord of the harvest is because of the fact that we have lost the passion of verse 35 and then verse 36. Listen to what he says. Thank God Jesus was moved with compassion. Aren't you glad that God loves you? Do you realize that what this young man is saying and what this gentleman is saying right here is true? We're looking forward to possibly supporting this children's home. I lived in a children's home. If it weren't for a children's home, I wouldn't be here. I was in Dr. Seitler's children's home. Okay? And uh, I go, my wife and I support it right now. I'm hoping also to take a medical clinic to him. We're going to win Myanmar, brother. All right? Yep, we're going to reach into the hearts of people and they're going to see Jesus in a way they've never seen Him. Now you pray for this, brother. This is very, very important. But the passion comes as we're moved, as we see the multitudes. You know our problem? We never see the multitudes like Jesus does. Our problem is we look at them and say, well, they're they're a bunch of liberal idiots and... No, 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 no. They're lost and going to hell is what they are. And our compassion, you know what that word compassion means? It means a gut feeling. Have you ever watched those, uh, oh, have you ever ridden a roller coaster and you get up to the top of that thing and all of a sudden, whoa! And all of a sudden your stomach comes up and it's about to pop out your head? That's exactly what this means. It meant the bowels of a person. And that's why the Greeks used it because that's where they said the seat of all emotion and spirit is. And Jesus said that everything within my human body was stirred to the point of feeling the need of the people He was working with. You know, we don't feel anybody's pain. We let a bunch of politicians use that expression. uh, And we don't... You know, we don't understand that Jesus did feel the necessity of people. Have you ever sat and wept over a person that has no food? Have you ever realized that little babies right now are dying that could be saved? I beg churches, help me. Help me. Why? Because I've seen the little babies die. Well, you sit there and watch a mother And you say, I can save this child. We've got to get the child into the hospital. And she looks at you and she says, that's okay. I have five others. The mathematics of death, my friend, we don't know anything about it. We're so removed from it. We don't even let our kids go to the funeral homes anymore. We don't want them to know there's death. My friend, I take kids all over this world. and The first thing I want them to see is the fact that people die. And when they die, they die horrible deaths sometimes. But there's much worse waiting for them. Because they will spend eternity in hell. Both hands, folks. Both hands. Fight the battle. Never quit. Then he says, and they faint. Now he was looking out over a group of uh, Jewish people. And they faint. Now this word literally means to be so exhausted. David fainted almost after a battle. He had fought, and he had fought, and he had fought. Pastor, you know you know what I'm talking about? When you've worked your heart out and all of a sudden the strength's ripped out of you because you've just worked so hard? That's the way people are all around this world. They faint. It meant, in the original idea, to be ravaged by a wild animal. You know, sheep, attacked by a wild animal, the animal will kill more than he has to eat. He'll just keep killing and killing. And those sheep will be laying on the ground everywhere. And I want you to understand something. There are people around this world that have been ravaged by physical deprivation and by spiritual starvation. and there, Because that's exactly what he was talking about with these Jews. He saw that the the Pharisees had taken advantage of them, told them stuff that wasn't true, gave them rules they couldn't follow, hindered them from being saved. And he looked out over these people and he was moved with compassion because he realized that the physical and spiritual condition of these people was like a ravaged animal laying on the field. That's why he says they are scattered. This word literally means the idea of uh, mortal combat. The idea that you die in battle. I read a, a little piece where this idea was supported one time. And it said, the battlefield was quiet except for the whimpering of the dying. Don't you understand that that's exactly the way Jesus sees this world? Even the victor, people are laying on the field, dying. And some will cry out for their mother. Some will wish they could see their baby one more time. But they're dying. And there's nothing that can be done except, listen, And if you could imagine in your mind, the sheep he's talking about, the animals ravaged them, they're scattered. You can walk from one to the other, and there's only death. And folks, this world is a world of death. There is no life in it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the... That's life. Our children know nothing of it. We protect them so much and they have everything. Uh, Oh, God bless the babies and the children. They're all over this world. Tonight, most of them will go to bed hungry. We won't. Most of them will go to bed and they've never studied the Word. They've never done anything. And oh, how they need us. And it says that He was scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Would you help me shepherd the lost? Would you go with me on these trips? Would you help me? I thank God for this church. It's always been so faithful. Your pastor has, has been so faithful. I. Th- Thank you for everything you've done for Operation Renewed Hope. But the future is so broad. We've got more countries to get into. We've got more children to take care of. We've got more people to give the gospel to. We can't stop now. We've got to redouble our efforts. We were in a little village uh, in uh, Haiti. Uh, We were working with the Bowers. uh, And... uh, Oh man, it was, it was, uh, there was an attempted murder today. (laughs) They fed me, you know, the Bowers family uh, fed me. Uh, And it was attempted murder. They had all kinds of stuff on that table that would kill me. I started to call the police. Oh, it was so good. I haven't had a good hot meal. And so we were working in Haiti. And I got a phone call. And uh, the phone call was from Pastor Cherubin in Jacques Mel. He said, you're right, we just have cholera in the community. We have 20 people in the hospital. Now folks, this, this little thing they call coronavirus, cholera makes that pale. And cholera spreads much faster. And most people die. Very few survive. And he said to me, I was in uh, uh, Ohio preaching. It was on a Wednesday. And uh, he said, look, we've got to have medicine. And so I called uh, uh, Brunswick, Georgia, MAP International. And I said, I need all the medicine you've got. Basically, all you do is you have uh, some antibiotic, but you have Bags of water, and you stick an IV in a person and you just start putting that water in them because everything's coming out of them. They die because of that. And they said, Yes, we have $36,000 worth of the medicine. And I said, Well, I don't have that kind of money. I said, But I need everything you've got. And I told him the story. And he said, Do you have $6,000? I said, I'll have the money transferred to you, bank transfer immediately. So I called our man who handles getting pilots for us and he found a man in Coleman, Alabama and uh, he had a twin engine uh, plane and he flew into Brunswick, Georgia. The truck was waiting on the tarmac for him. They loaded his plane. Uh, There was just enough room for him to sit. And so off he went, plane overloaded I'm sure. Uh, They said he got it up off the ground and everybody was rejoicing, you know. And so off it went, and he went down to Exuma, Bahamas, because you can't fly straight to Haiti in a small twin-engine plane. You have to stop, refuel, and then you go on. Well, that was Wednesday night. I got a phone call after I preached on Wednesday night, and it was from uh, Brother uh, Cherubin. Uh, by the way, they've made him a, a senator in Haiti now because of his work with Operation Renewed Hope. And uh, he said... uh, uh Listen, uh, we're working right now with the airport, but they have closed the airport. Your man cannot land. So it took me a while, but I finally got in touch with him through his wife. If you want a man, get his wife. And he called back. It was 1 o'clock in the morning when he called me. He said, "Uh, I'm going to be uh, leaving in the morning. I said, no. I said, this is an abort. Turn that plane around. You've got to come home. I said, they've closed the airport, and there's, not a, there's no way he could fly there if they didn't open up the airport and then fly back. He'll crash because you'll run out of fuel. You know how that is, brother. And so uh, I said, and if you land, they're going to confiscate your plane, and that's a $600,000 plane you've got right there. He said, it's okay, I'm going. I said, well, at least wait one day before you go. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I said, now I want you to know this is an abort. Turn that plane around. He said, no, I'm not doing it. And so Brother Cherubin called me Thursday, and he said, "Uh, listen, the airport said if you'll give the tail number, that plane can land. And I said, Brother Cherubin, do you believe the Haitian government? He goes, no, but I believe the people at the airport will do what they said. And so uh, I said, okay. Uh, So I called Brother um, David Robinson, and I said, "Uh, Brother, I just want you to know, I've got to say this again to you. Operation Renewed Hope is calling this an abort. Turn your plane around. And he said, No, I'm not going to do it. I said, Well, I appreciate it. I can't make you take this flight, nor can I encourage you to, because this is a life-or-death flight. And uh, he said, I understand that. I'm not worried. And so I said, well, they've said the airport's open. Now, I don't know. You may land there, and they confiscate your plane. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. He said, I'll leave in the morning first thing, Friday morning, as soon as there's sunlight. So, you know, when they're out over the ocean like that, I pray for them doubly hard. And off he took, and in a plane, they'll say, uh, you're talking back and forth with controls. And uh, the Bahama control, uh, you know, you call in and they recognize your plane and then you talk back and forth. And he said something like this, uh, you know, this is November 6400 Yankee. Uh, I am flight pattern to uh, Port-au-Prince. And they recognize him and they say to him, okay, uh, move to 5,000 feet, fly this heading, Uh, and he'll say, thank you, control, and they say, have a good day, and he just goes like that. Then, he would pick up another control. That would be Port-au-Prince control. And so he'll say something like this, uh, Port-au-Prince control, this is November 6400 Yankee, uh, inbound Port-au-Prince, please give me heading instructions and things like that. And so they back and forth. They've got him on radar. They tell him, and they say, move to 6,000 feet, fly this course. And so he would. And uh, keep in mind that plane's full and it's pulling fuel like mad. And so I know this occurred and this is what happened. He called Port-au-Prince And he said, Port-au-Prince, this is November 6400, Yankee. And they knew his tail number and they were listening for it, And came back over the microphone or over the speaker. November 6400, Yankee, this is Port-au-Prince control. You're clear to land. On runway one. He landed that day. They refueled his plane. They turned him around and they sent him to Jotmail. And by one day, the people in the hospital had increased to 200 people ten times in one day. And people were dying. And when he got there, every relief agency that was there working came to that plane, unloaded it, took it to that hospital, and many people were saved. Why? Because there was a man. And he said, I'm willing to die. Just like this young man said. That's how the gospel goes. Don't you ever forget that. It's easy for us, but somebody paid a price. You know something? They called off Mardi Gras in Haiti. Dr. Frank Garlock went down. We flew in all the chairs, the, the speaker system. 5,000 people came to Jacques Mel to hear the preaching of the Word of God rather than having the Mardi Gras. I've got pictures of them in the, in the thing. So many people got saved. And this, is, this is what's fantastic. The people of the church moved out of the church so that the new converts could sit in the church. And we put chairs out in front of the church in the yard so that, and the people said, We want this man as our leader. Why? Because they took the gospel with good works and they changed the heart and lives of people. I would only ask you this. Please remember us. I know you will. I wouldn't ask if I didn't know that you'll remember us. But always remember that around this world, there are people dying. They could be saved. They could live longer. And sadly, some of them are dying. And they'll go to hell. And for eternity, they'll stay there